On this week's episode of That's Enough Already, I get to chat to Reese Darby. And I've been a fan of his for a long time, like, you know, Flight of the Concords and Jumanji, Lovebirds, which is a personal favourite of mine. Not a lot of people talk about Lovebirds. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Yes, Man, I loved. I even referenced that on my TED Talk. I just love Reese Darwin. He's one of those guys that's just always supportive and real. He's like a real calm influence, but also always funny. Um, yeah, I fangirled a little. I mean, it's no big deal. Reese Darby. Shh, that's quite enough. Just stop. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, I can hear. Calm down, mate. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. So you're, you're up in Maracana. You're Reese um, Darby. You are a comedian. <laughs> uh, this is for, for what is this, custom? Yeah, it is. What is the purpose of your visit? <laughs> uh, I was told to come. Okay, so you're, you're up in Maracana. You're just having a holiday or you're working on something at the moment? Uh, I'm up here. Yeah, this is, the, this is the house. Not working on anything right now. Just totally taking a break. How good is it? I mean, it's awful. We're in a global pandemic and, and it's bad, but it's also so, so good, you know, because I've never been in New Zealand this time of year. Right, yeah. and Well, neither have I. Uh, not for a while. I mean, I, I do come home, you know, for maybe two, three weeks if I'm lucky around Christmas, uh, but by mm-hmm. this time we're back in LA. So we kind of, mm-hmm. and usually summer is a bit shit at this point here in New Zealand. So this year has been exceptional. It's been amazing all December. So you would have been in LA now. Now you're in lovely, sunny New Zealand. Uh, We were having a bit of a drought, but we're enjoying the sunshine that has taken the positive out of it. And then you're there with a wife and kids. Yeah. And I saw you went skateboarding yesterday. So you're keeping them? You're keeping the family? Yeah, I'll keep them uh, for now. And yeah. you know you've got to, you've got to get the boys out of the house. Um, they enjoy you know uh, doing that, but if they don't think about it, they especially the young one, they can get trapped on their iPads or their computers. Um, and before you know it, you know it's it's heading towards the afternoon, and you think you go into the yeah. room and say, "What have you done today?" And he's like still in his jammies on his iPad. Dude, this is some sort of weird cult. Get off that thing. Let's go and skate. You got to do it. You might. My kids have just discovered the joys of their bicycles. So I've had to rediscover the joy of the bicycle, but I've discovered not only the joy of a bicycle, but the intense, intense pleasure of an electric bike. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, these are the new mm. thing. Mm. So have you, is this mm. like a, a assist, like an electric assist so you can pedal? Yeah, yeah. You, like I pedal all the time. Except when I get to the uphills mm-hmm. and then I – so, but since they've discovered their bikes, I've lost 5 kgs because I you have to oh go with God. them. Oh, my God. Yeah, so like, well this done. Is a blessing in disguise. Look, it's taken a few months. I say 5 kgs. I don't want you to think it's been the last two weeks. I'm not Jenny Craig. We're talking months of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Accidental. <laughs> Maybe if I switch the assist off, it'll go faster. But, you know, I just don't. So how so how um, when do you use the assist? Just up the hills. Literally just up the hills, yeah. Yeah, so I don't I don't use the because it's got an accelerator thing like a motorbike. Yeah, right. So you have the option of using that, but I don't. I just keep it on assist and then pedal and then sometimes I'm at a hill and I'm like, why is it not kicked in or is it steeper than I think? Or um occasionally I do have to get off and push it. 
but that's usually because I have to get off and get the four-year-old's bike as well. So then I feel like it's double exercise. I'm walking two bicycles up a hill yeah. and negotiating why I won't be carrying the four-year-old too. Where, where, are all these, where are all these hills that you're riding on? Well, look, I don't want to, it's not <laughs> Steve. I'm talking, I don't. I've got these visions of you out in the countryside on these massive hills. I'm thinking, shit. No, I'm talking in the driveway. It's got a bit of a lip oh, yeah, as you come in. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not 100% flat, but uh, I mean, this isn't about me. Um, <laughs> I quickly want to talk about, um, you obviously won't know, but I want to say, um, how you and I met the first time we met. Because when I just started doing comedy in New Zealand, of course, I didn't know any New Zealand comedians. I knew nothing. So somebody bought me the DVD set of Flight of the Concords, right? And they go, right. just watch this. Yeah. You'll be up scratch with New Zealand comedy. That basically covers it all. And I was like, all right. So I watched it. And, of course, uh, I saw you. And then maybe my third gig, second or third gig, I walked into the classic which is the comedy bar in Auckland. And there you were just sitting at the bar and I couldn't believe it. And then um, I sort of just, you know, checked in because I still checked in back in the days, like would go up to whoever was, uh, you know, manning the ticket booth and go, hi, my name's Ushla, I'm here, I'm, I'm a comedian. Because, you know, from the first gig you identify as comedian. Yeah. Not, uh, you know, this is going to take years and years to get above the $40 pay mark. But anyway... Then you were sitting there, so I sort of just w- went up a little bit closer. And you were so nice. You were like, hi, are you on tonight? I go, yes, I am. And then you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to stay and watch. And I went, you're going to have to get a ticket. <laughs> no, did you? Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't want you to get in trouble, and I knew I couldn't get you in because Scotty would send emails. Scotty is the owner of the club, and he would send these emails to say, no guests tonight, we're already sold out. And I had got the email. So when you said that you were going to stay and watch, I was like, oh, I'm not getting in trouble. Like, oh, I'm a big fan, but I don't wow. want to get in trouble here and get you in. I'm like, oh. And you were like, I think I'll be all right. And that's all. You were so polite about it. And it was just lovely. It took a few years, I think, you know, before you and I actually sort of recognized each other. Well, you recognized me. Um, you know, but in the beginning, you were always so friendly and so supportive and so, you know, just just a cool dude. And I thought that made such a huge impact on me right in the beginning, mm. you know, like because here, because I thought, you know, I mean, I sort of know everyone else that's on the circuit here, but because you're sort of that step ap- away from it, you know. Yeah, you're, step you're above. Working. That's 100%, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the other side of the glass ceiling. No, because you went went overseas. You were one of the ones that initially, you you went over to the UK, then the US. I put in the hard yards, yeah. Yeah, and, and you that, know it's quite it's quite a lonely industry, isn't it? Yeah, very. It can be very lonely, especially if you're doing well, because that means you are working a lot and you are traveling a lot. And you know you're just one person on a bill. And you know, especially in the UK, where I really sort of treaded the boards for years and years. I did a good six years over there um, before before the Concords thing happened. And, you know, people forget or or perhaps don't even realise how many comedy clubs there are. There was like over 300 in London alone. And then right across the UK, you know, and I would be 
traveling for hours driving for some of these some of these trips were five six hours long and you'd you'd have maybe if you're lucky have another comic in the car with you or they would be the driver because that was often sometimes how they got a gig was they would be uh you'd get a gig if you had a car and then you had to drive the headline act or the other act you know maybe there might be three of you and so i i got stuck in a car quite often with you know um a young uh up-and-coming comic um, sometimes not even young. Sometimes he just started and he was 54, but it didn't matter. Uh, it was kind of like uh, awkward. And, you know, you've got to be personable. You've got to be uh, friendly um, because you don't know this person. This person might be the next genius comic that you know them from oh. a, a bar of soap and you've got to spend five hours in a car with them. And sometimes, of course, if they, once you, once your sort of notoriety gets bigger and, and people start to know who you are, they then hone in on the questions. And especially from these young folk that have just started, it's like, you know, where do you, where do you get your ideas? What have you done? How do you do this? How do you end on this? You know, and stuff like that. And you're just like, Oh God, I've got four hours of this, uh, <laughs> you know? And, and uh, so, but yeah, but you know, and, and then the alternative is you go, look, I'm, I'm going to drive myself. And I did, I did that a few times because I got, I got a, got a lot of trips where there was, where they were awkward. It was weird. And so, but then you're, then you're faced with even more loneliness of just, on the road driving on your own and you know what it's like when you finish a gig and it goes really well and you think yes I'm um king of the world and now uh you, you know you sort of meet some of the people afterwards and have a beer or whatever and you keep looking at your watch thinking all right I've got a four-hour journey back to London I better get and then you're in the car and it's you know 2 a.m and you're driving through these these streets in the middle of nowhere uh with with a with a full moon and a and a very um it's it's creepy and freaky, and you're thinking, "What the hell am I doing with my life?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah, and then do you still have? Because right now, too, it doesn't matter how long it takes me to get home. As soon as I get home, then I sort of, you know, I have to process. Then I start to process the gig. It's almost like I managed to put it on hold for the journey, which you'd think I, I if I could combine the travel and the process, but I don't. Then yeah. when I get home now, I'm still awake for another two hours. Well, because um, you've got driving home, you've got to concentrate on the safety of getting home, and then and yeah. then when you then you can relax at that point when you're home, and then all of a sudden your mind is just full of okay, where did I go wrong? Where did I go right? What the hell were those new gags I just suddenly came up with? That's the big thing. Those those new bits and shit. What are, I've already forgotten them, you know, and that that kind of yeah. thing, isn't it? I'm glad I'm not the only one. How often do you write? Like, are you quite a prolific writer or do you just remember the shit that you come up with? Well, in my in my heyday of stand-up, every day I, I would, you know, get an idea um, and still now anytime I get anything, any inkling of an idea, I will write it on my notebook uh, or, my, or chuck it on my phone um, and then I would, back in the day when I was doing, you know, a, sh- a show every year, um, of course, you know, you would, it would build up your material from your notebook and you'd look at it um, after six months and you'd have, you'd have just, you'd have a whole bunch of ideas and you go, okay, how am I going to turn this into a show? Uh, I've got to have a theme. I've got to, you know, it's all got to tie in. But yeah, that's exactly what the notebook is for, I think, for a comic. It's their best friend and it's got to be on them at all times. And, you know, these yeah. days you can use a, a phone. But I, I always... I've always had the Note phone, which is the one with the the Samsung one with a pen. So I'm literally just using it like a note 
book. That's why I changed over to that because I love the process of using a pen and writing. It's just that contact with actually handwriting. I do it even when I'm with acting, when I'm learning my lines, I will handwrite all of my lines. And it's just that some sort of magical connection with a pen that goes straight into my brain of memory. And I think that's from being a comic and writing that way. You know, some people might type their ideas out or something. Some comics might go, right, I'll wake up in the morning, I'm going to work from nine to five as a comedy writer. It doesn't work like that. It's, you know, you no. can't sit there because that's not us. It's like we'll have a joke at a party or we'll have a joke, you know, we're in the toilet or in the shower or I'm driving somewhere and you go, shit, I've got to pull over and write that down. Because if you don't, it will it will go, you know, because we're, we're all kind of, I think we're, we have these moments of genius, but the rest of the time we're kind of very flighty and, and fluffy heads. You know, we're like in one ear out the other half the time, right? Yeah, because I think that, that whole Peter Pan effect is a big thing for comics. Like not, you know, like people go, I, I like to look for the common denominator. Like what do we all have in common? Quite, quite a few of us went to boarding school. Uh, quite a few of us have sort of either a drill or a military type background, you know, right. sort of either because you you were in the army. I went to a boarding school, a military boarding school. Wow. Um, and then there's quite a few comics that I've met that have either had military boarding school or sort of drilling or something like that, you know, so, yeah, so yeah. some sort of real structure thing. It's almost like we yeah. now try and get away from it in some way. I don't know, but comedy has got a bit of structure to it, but Ultimately, I think the the common denominator that we all share is we all have that Peter Pan effect where nobody really grows up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm obsessed with that idea of never growing up and and keeping my sensibilities and my imagination uh, that I had as a child, and that has been very important for me to create my material and do my stories and be uh, be yeah this this young person on stage I've never I've never crossed over to being you know doing a whole bunch of dad material or like not yeah. dad jokes but like parent material like uh, you yeah. know I, I never I never transferred over to doing any now I'm married material I've got a little bit of yeah. you know things that my wife and I do differently but really it was never I always my mental brain is always I'm pr- pretty much 13 and and yeah. still <laughs> intrigued by the world and how weird it is and my place in it. Now, you've got the two boys. Do you think that they go into um, comedy? I wouldn't be surprised if, yeah, I mean, Finn has already um, started his notebook. So he's writing down ideas. He's writing down jokes. He's going to try out. He's going to do some stand-up. I don't know whether it will be this year. He's 15 now. He, oh, it wow. might, he might give it a, a shot. Um uh, but he will definitely get into it. The other kid, I'm not, sh- I'm not so sure. I think he might just bypass it. Uh, he'll always have the gift and he's pretty, pretty crazy, but I think he will want to control things a bit more. It's, maybe he's a bit young, but like he wants to like do bigger things, like make movies. He wants to be a director yeah. and that kind of stuff. I think they'll definitely dabble. I don't know whether it will be, because it's one of those things. We don't know, you know, we didn't have uh, parents that, that did it. So for yeah. us, it wasn't filling anyone's shoes or anything like that. It was like, for me, uh, just came out of nowhere. All I was, was obsessed with with comedy and particularly British comedy growing up. And, and so I, I knew I wanted to do it. It made me feel good good 
and it was a natural thing that I could do it um, at school in class constantly and everyone around me laughed and and therefore loved me and it made me feel loved. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It is a special thing. I had exactly the same experience. I, um, who was your influences? Like, you know, when you were just starting out, who did you look up to? Mm. So growing up, uh, I was very, very much into um, British comedy. So Monty Python uh, was a big deal for me. I was obsessed, still really, really love anything that they've ever done. So that was sketch. That was, uh, it was the absurdity, the, um, the absurd uh, silliness humour, which also really was instigated by Spike Milligan uh, before them uh, with the goons and things like that. So this is all very old school stuff. Uh, and, then, and then from there, I really got into uh, the physicality of Rowan Atkinson and also across the ditch with Jim Carrey, uh, that kind of telling stories through movement. And, and, and for me, I, when I started doing uh, solo stand-up and I, and I created these crazy sound effects that went with my stories, that came from no particular person. I just realised, and it was from years of solo play with toys, that I could do these weird sounds and I can just mimic yeah. machinery and all this kind of stuff. So that just came out of nowhere and I really ran with that. Um, cause I found it was quite a unique thing to have. Um, yeah, there was no actual kind of stand-up stand-ups that, that really influenced me. And I, and I think that that is why my kind of stuff is, does have that uniqueness because it's, yeah. it really is just me for the most part when, cause I started off in a duo with, with Grant Lobin. And cool. so the two of us in recently granted really had a sort of a sketch, uh, and song based act and then when I went and did my solo stuff, I kept having that same kind of um, uh, theme to it. So I was almost doing doing sketches, um, but on my own. And so I would play other characters <laughs> and things like that. And that's essentially where, where it comes from, my stand-up. So, and I was lucky enough in my lifetime, I never thought this would happen, but I got to see Monty Python live uh, in wow. 2012 when they reunited that one last time and they played the O2 arena and I took my son Finn. So he has seen them as well. And he knew, he knew how obsessed I was with them and how this was a, an opportunity that would never happen again. And, you know, I was, it was a huge deal for me. I saw them twice. Uh, <laughs> it was like 350 bucks a ticket or something. My dad's showing off now. Yeah, it is showing off. And I've, I mean, you know, you're doing well. You're like, yeah. you're arguably the top you know, of New Zealand comedy. Um, two tickets at three fifty and a dinosaur yeah. mug. All right, mate. <laughs> we all have stories. Don't forget the dinosaur <laughs> mug. I mean, you know, you've got to have it all. Uh, <laughs> I remember James Bond motto: uh, "The world is not enough." And I've and I've yeah. kind of stuck by that. Yeah. No, I like that. I appreciate that about you. Always have. Um, hi, can I ask you something? This whole lockdown thing. This where. You know, with the, the global pandemic, it's really flushed out how many absolutely fucking stupid people there are in the world. And you just need to go online and see, you know, everything that's going on politically and, um, you know, people blaming 5G and yeah. for the virus and all this stuff. Um, and it just got me to a point where I'm like, I am so sick to death of dumb people 
And I'm scared, you know, like I'm getting a concussion from smacking my own forehead so much. What is it for you that other people do that absolutely shits you to death? Uh yeah, well, see, most things. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, my wife, Rosie, who you know very well, you know, she's yeah. she uh, really doesn't suffer fools and there's so many fools on the internet and she's constantly on there arguing with them. She tries to really fight the good fight and lay out the uh, the normality of, you know, of how things should be and, and what things not to uh, take in and, and, you know, the QAnon crap and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, because we've all got friends that have crossed over the line or gone down too many rabbit holes and have not come up the right way. Um, for me, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's those that are really uh, refusing to accept science and accept yeah. technological advances in, in the science sphere because that's how we're going to get through things. Um, And people who are anti-vax, people who are anti, not even anti, but like who believe that the, this whole COVID thing is a conspiracy. Those people, it's just so they're anti, anti human in a way, because they don't want to be part of the human gang that sees us come together as one and get through this together as one. Because we are a village. We're all just, yeah, you, know, totally. you know, six billion people living on a rock. And if we don't sort this out together, we're not going to get through it. And the people in the US who are sticking to their guns, literally, who are saying, you know, <laughs> that, you know, it's our right to bear arms. It's our right to not have to wear a mask. It's our right. Where's our freedom? Freedom, freedom. You know, they're going to lose their entire freedom. They're going to lose their lives because they're not obeying, you know, scientific law and advancements uh, in in the vaccines and, and the help that people are trying to give them. You know, you we can talk about this thing till the cows come home and it always comes up in parties and conversations, you know, about yeah. people that are, you know, getting on your back on the internet. But the problem is the goddamn internet. It's too free. It's given everyone a bloody chance to say something. And most people are stupid and they just don't, (laughs) you know what I mean? It's kind of like you have to, you should have to pass some sort of test to get onto the internet or something. Or yes. to be able to comment, you can't comment. You can't forward things or pass I things on. Back that. Yeah. yeah, you need to. Get, uh, yeah, like a common sense, not even an IQ test, a common sense yeah. test. And if you don't pass, unfortunately, you cannot comply with the other kids. You know, like the thing. Um, are you a robot? You know that thing where you've got to put in. Yes. You know uh, uh, what? 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 Six pictures are of a signpost. You know that thing, and you've got to choose yeah. which. Takes ages to figure it out because I I'm not sure if I get all the. Signposts. Yeah, yeah, like is it, that's a signpost, isn't it? Is that a signpost? Oh, it's yeah. a fence post. Yeah. Is that? A, oh shit, yeah. I'm a robot. Eventually, you've got the whole family. <laughs> what about this top one? Can you see a pedestrian crossing? Is yeah, that, exactly. Is that or is that a crossing? Yeah. No, I I mean I totally applaud it if people want to question science and you know, but then go to university, go through the mm. courses. Do the whole thing. Don't have Google two websites and don't then go, oh, we're all getting a microchip. At least if you're going to question it, then come up with shit that is actually possible. They don't have a microchip small enough to go through a needle. They're going to have to stun gun you to get that microchip in. God, have some common sense. <laughs> what What do you do that shits you? Like, for instance, I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday and he goes, he cannot stand it. Like, he can't get off a call. Every time he, he wants to end a call, he always goes, 
So shall we meet up? It's like you can just say bye. You don't need to go visit these people. He's had strangers that he's met in the street in his house making them a cup of tea because it doesn't know how to get rid of people. Is that right? So what is the thing about you that just shits you that you go, God, I wish I can stop doing this, but I just can't? Well, you know, I mean, I I am, I, there's so many things I do wrong, but I embrace it all because yeah. I am who I am. I am uh, 46 and I'm not going to change now. And people know who I am and this is what they get. And they might not know that they get that because they might not have been close enough to me. And sometimes what they get is me um, giving way too much information. And I, and I really like that. Um, and I, I'm, I'm often, because it, it makes me laugh because, you know, I'm with uh, wife Rosie and the kids and we'll be at a hotel and we'll go just about to leave the hotel and I'll talk to the concierge or something and I'll say, well, we're just going out. I feel like I have to tell him we're leaving, you know. Oh, yes. we're, we're just going out for that. And he goes, he doesn't care. And I said, all right, have a good one. I said, yeah, we're just going to go down uh, to the to the beach and we might have some lunch down there and we might go and catch a movie. We'll see what the weather's doing. And like Rosie's waiting at the door going, he doesn't need to know this. Too much <laughs> and, I, and then and, and I can it, 100% see her say that. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he, let's just go. And I'll, like, I'll be back and I'll be looking at him as I come back in and he'll, he'll be looking at me and I'll go, Oh, he'll probably want to know what we got up to. And I said, so we didn't end yeah. up catching a movie. Yeah, it was. Uh, there wasn't anything decent on, so we just went down. We went for a walk along the beach, and then um, I fed the ducks, didn't I, Dal? And she'll be like already in the elevator. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of th- so. But I, you know, I get great joy out of the the silliness of every kind of situation I'm in. I've got a really. Um big question for you what would you say is the perfect pool toy because i see we have uh, the same unicorn i've got that exact same unicorn and it is brilliant i'm a big fan of the unicorn um you know you can be the pool princess uh in a unicorn you can be if they're mystical uh i know that they're overused everyone's got a goddamn unicorn but um it's when we you know when these unicorns first came out and they threw them in the pool, it's like, wow, finally we've found a place for the goddamn unicorn. But other than that, you know, there's so many pool toys out there. Um, you can't beat the um, the lilo with the seat one with the cups, the cup holders, oh, yes, yeah, which is which yes. is a classic so that you can really lie back and it's got to be a good quality one. You don't want a cheap one yeah. that'll just, you know, yeah. deflate easily. It's got to be good quality. You need to pump it up with with a proper pump uh, unless you want to go to some funny hotel side uh, pool where you're there all day like blowing it, <laughs> you know, like and the kids are like swimming and stuff and you're there for good. It's a good hour of just blowing this thing. <laughs> And then the guy's like, okay, the pool closes in 10 minutes, mate. And so I'm nearly there. And you finally got it up and you get on it and it's a cheap one and you're pretty much submerged into the water anyway and your feet are sticking out. You've got two minutes, mate. You've got to get out. Quick, give me a GNT. Quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. You've got to have a cup holder even though you'd never use it. And and, uh, it's got to be sort of a lime green or a pink colour. For sure, yeah. but you've got to look. You've got to look. Uh, you've got to look stupid, and uh, and and people have to go tut tut tut. What is that clown doing? If you if you haven't had an ugly laugh with your friends, yeah, at least once a day, you need new friends. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
Or, no, or a better therapist. Yes. I just want to say thank you very much for being super supportive. Um, I do want to put out a warning that your wife is extremely dangerous in a pub scenario, <laughs> the drunkest I've ever been at any function, and I'm not really a big drinker, but the drunkest I've ever been at any function in New Zealand comedy, your wife got me so drunk that I was vomiting in the gutter on oh the way my home. God, I'm not so proud sorry. of it. Yeah. Not proud of it, but um, she got me quite a few shooters and, you know, I have no self-control, so I drank all of those and nearly died. I saw Jesus' sandals. What? So that was, yeah. I was, you know, when you're so drunk, you sort of wake up and you're on the floor and there's someone with sandals and then later you can't see anyone anymore and you're like, (laughs) it was Jesus. (laughs) I'm convinced of it. That's amazing. Were they Roman sandals? Yeah, weirdly, yeah. I mean, it could have been could have been my nephew who came home from school, but Roman sandals, <laughs> tiny Jesus, dusty toes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, twelve year old Jesus. You know, I mean, when we don't have real facts about the size of the man. Well, he so. must have been twelve at some point, right? Yeah, no one exactly. talks about young Jesus. The adventures no. of young Jesus. Yeah, yeah, when he went through his pimply stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he couldn't make any friends. Yeah. So anyway, but thank you for always being supportive and being a cool, cool. Yeah, no worries. It's been at. awesome to see you, you know, just rise up and become this amazing comic that I I think I could see that you were from the beginning. A lot of it was confidence back then, but then pretty quickly, you know, this awesome material just came out and came out, more stuff came out and went, oh, Okay, she's this is endless. Uh, fuck, she's going to be big, and and you've done it so well done, Earth. You know, it, it never. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think I've cropped it now. Hey, do you think you'll ever retire? Do you think retirement is in the cards for you as a comic? Uh, I don't know. I mean, luckily, I I you know concentrate a lot more on on acting. But now that I've yeah. got this, now that I've got that going on, Rosie said, that's it, you can never retire. You know, even Michael Caine still works and he's he's yeah. into his 80s. And my Betty White is still cracking on. Oh, my like, God. She, well, I yeah. was lucky enough to work with her once. And, oh, shut up. I no, love I, her. Yeah, it was uh, hot in Cleveland, uh, yeah. the final season, I think. And I think she might have been... She was either 99 then or not, maybe 98. I'm not even – do you know how old yeah. she is now? I'm not sure, but – No, I think – but she's she's about that. She, she's she's getting trying. right up there, yeah. Yeah, and, I'm uh, right now. She, you know, she needed help with her lines, but I tell you what, when we did the read-through, her wit was still there, and that's the thing. It never dies. And yeah. so she would just do these little gags out of nowhere, you know, nothing to do with the script, just – just by being her funny self and you think, oh, yeah. shit, this is a, we're going to have this forever. This isn't something yeah. that dies out. You know, she might not be able to read anymore. She might not be able to remember the lines. She might need people, you know, um, prompting her. But when it comes to her own actual comic prowess, that never that never yeah. goes away. So that was an inspiration as, as she is. True that. All right, well, thank you so much for talking to me. Hey, this was fun. Thanks, Sis. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.